The Fashion Geeks are hosted and powered by Blueberry. That's Blueberry. B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Thinking of launching a podcast? Want your episodes to be deployed smoothly? Go to Blueberry.com, type in the word fashion, and get a deal on us. Just put in the word fashion. Blueberry. Always host fly. Hello, I'm Reg. And I'm Tiff. And we're we're the the Fashion fashion Geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. Yes, we're back. It's a beautiful day here in Brooklyn. Mad sunny. But we got a guest on, and he is live from Houston. We've been following each other on the Insta for a minute. And then it dawned on me. I was like, let me see if I can rope this guy in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not for real. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if he was going to be up for it. Consider me roped. (laughs) Well, you're in Texas, so that's appropriate. (laughs) That's right. I got my Wrangler jeans on today, too. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been seeing. Yeah, we need. That's one of the many things we need to talk about. We got to spin the wheel episode today (laughs) because, yeah, I've seen those Wranglers. And uh, I should, I should, yeah, we should talk about those. Mm-hmm. So I guess Texas today, staple. yeah, I see it, yeah. But I've only started seeing you doing that recently. I didn't know this has been so that. So why don't we just talk about that? We got <laughs> <Okay>. our guest. <laughs> we got our guest, Caustic Man, Bonnie Mosquez, live from Houston. Bonnie, the first thing I really have to ask you, I'm not going to get into the jeans. How is it in Houston? Well, um, we've been going through some things here lately. Uh, you know, I, when I look at the situation here, I kind of have to um, take a step back and count my blessings because I know what you all went through over in New York and sure. things haven't quite gotten that bad here. Uh, thankfully, uh, there seems to be some improvement in the medical uh, side of things with the treatment of COVID and all that. People seem to be doing a little bit better if they have to go to the hospital, but um, it seems to be spreading pretty quickly, unchecked, and um, unfortunately there is no, or at least very little, political will to um, uh, enforce too harshly mask requirements and go back to, down into lockdown. So we're dealing with it day by day, doing what we can. Understood. I mean, you're you're the number one for the state of Texas. Yeah, Houston, uh, as far as my understanding is concerned, is uh, the epicenter of Texas, so to speak. And um, I've been hearing people talking about uh, it's Texas first in terms of the explosion of the virus, then California, then Florida. Uh, so I don't know how this whole thing is going to pan out, but I can only hope that on the other side of this, that uh, we emerge from it stronger and hopefully a little bit wiser. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know what we've been through. And actually, I'm concerned now. I don't know if you're aware. Our governor is starting to crow about uh, how we've overcome things. He's got hmm. this poster out now. I don't know if you saw it. You should Google it. It's a I little will. weird. Yeah, for real. And then, and then to be honest, I mean, I'm I'm nervous because – Fourth quarter is around the corner. Fourth quarter is always flu season. Mm-hmm. We've done a good job. We could always do a better job. Obviously, everyone thought that we were done for. But I just I just feel an act of hubris coming on after this poster. I just feel like it's chest beating. And I'm like, 
we're not we're not done. <laughs> we're not, well, tell me about finished. it. What did what, what was the message? What did it say? The message is convoluted, to really be honest. I mean, in a way, you really have to see it to believe it. It's hmm. it's this graphic poster, and it's got all these weird messages on it. It's really, to me, it's really unclear. But the one thing that's ignored is that we're the number one in deaths <laughs> for the right. city. So, much less the city, really. So, that that's totally ignored. I just... I feel like the government started feeling himself a few weeks ago on CNN. And, you know, listen, we're, we're in phase two. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm cautious as, you know, I'm cautious. It's not even about being cautiously optimistic, but I just, like I said, I know where you are. And, you know, I just wanted to start that way. Cause you know, beyond what we want to talk about, which is our love for fashion, you know, mm-hmm. it's about, it's about life. It's about humanity. And I hope uh, I hope Governor Abbott and I hope Mayor Turner uh, get on the same page for you guys because it seems to be very bizarre down there. Well, I hope so too. And I mean, when it comes down to it, yes, you know, we the presence that you and I have on social media and in other places is fashion focused, but nobody exists on those platforms outside of the community aspect of it. So, I mean, you. I think you might have seen the last post that I did on my Yeah, Instagram I wanted account. to talk about that. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, we there's this incredibly powerful tool at our fingertips to create community in a time when yes. we're all sort of having to be separated from each other. We we don't get to congregate in the ways that we used to do. And it just, just seems to be an overwhelming sense of loneliness for a lot of people. And this is the way that we have to connect now. Podcasts, also video conferences, all these things that we can do to build communities. And as far as at least the menswear community is concerned, and maybe this is natural, maybe this isn't all that bad a thing, but nobody's really talking about it. It's just, it's odd. It's as if everybody's just trying to pretend like Regular life is still going on. Oh, let me post a picture of what I'm wearing. Let me, you know, this is my vacation dream. Wish I was here. Uh, But, you know, nobody's talking about the tough things, I don't think. I think, you know, I think we are, as a podcast, Mm. it took us, it took us a long time to restart. Um, Tiffany, as I like to tease, she's just been doing a lot of online shopping right now. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Not that I haven't, but yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I felt it was important uh, for us to have conversations with what I've, what I now call the two pandemics. Mm. So these things are going on, and like you said, from a posting standpoint, yeah, you know, we, we, you know, we met on Instagram, and I agree with you about something. To me, which was when I started to be on Instagram, you know, a few years ago, my immediate interest was for community. Mm-hmm. And that's why, whether it was you or anyone else, I'm very irreverent. So I like to make a comment here and there. Obviously, uh, there's always truth in jest. And it's funny how sometimes I think, you know, people take commentary wrong. But my whole thing was, hey, I just want to I want to meet people and learn from people, you know, particularly these influencers. I mean, I'm not an influencer. I know you don't consider yourself one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, you just have an interest in fashion. 
and it's you know it's garnered you an audience. But I just always felt like, hey, we're all in the same gang. There's no competition here. You know, I do consultancy for my part of it. I'm, you know, I'm still to me the new kid on the block. I'm just trying to learn and grow, pick people's brains. Um, but yeah, like we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be enemies. We should, we should all be in lockstep. We're not a monolith by any stretch of the imagination. But probably to your point, you know, now more than ever, let's, uh, you know, let's let's connect. Yeah, and just briefly to go back on on something you just mentioned in terms of your podcast, one of the things that I've been impressed about is you haven't shied away from talking about the deeper issues that are connected to clothing as well. I mean, I think oh, that there's this you. tendency among especially the menswear community, such as it can be called a community, I suppose, but people who like clothes who are men that, um, well, you know, you don't want to get too deep into it. You don't want to take it too seriously because, well, it's just clothes and men are supposed to be a little bit aloof to that. <laughs> we got more important things to think about. And yeah, I, I look good, but ah, I didn't really think too hard about it, which of course is not true. We all think hard about it. But I really appreciate the fact that you're able to to sit down and sort of tackle some of these issues, especially when it comes to things like um, uh, inequality, whether it be racial or class and the kind of class messages that our clothes send and trying to deal with the, um, I suppose you might say, the seeming dichotomy between dressing well and be, wanting to be a communitarian-minded person, I guess you could say. So, and that's a tough job. So good on you, mate. Oh, thank you, man. No, I, you know, I appreciate it. I, I'm very passionate about fashion like yourself. I love the podcast. And it's funny. It's because of Tiffany that I have it. I was kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, I think because I'm a Ferguson and I'm a native New Yorker, um, I'm, I'm unafraid. So, you know, why would I be? And, and, and you're right. I mean, the irony is Fashion can be viewed as something, you know, very light uh, presentation only. But, you know, deep diving and asking questions and, and going back and forth. I mean, I mean, to me, that's fun. That's what makes things interesting. People who don't like fashion, whether it's men's or, or women's, they'll look askance at people like ourselves because it seems as though we're superficial. But. I know I'm anything but that, and I sense that from you as well, you know, even though you're caustic. That moniker, man, that moniker, I was like, hey, 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 maybe I should stand back. <laughs> well, then it's serving its purpose, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the Wranglers. You've been rocking Wranglers lately. <laughs> well, it's totally old school. What, what is that about? I have not had a pair of Wranglers since I was a child. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I had Wranglers when I was a child, too. Um, honestly, hadn't really paid much attention to them. And, I mean, let's be honest, it's not a high fashion item. Nope. It's not something that's made out of Japanese salvage denim or anything like that. But uh, uh, actually, it was North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it was moving to Texas, actually, that sort of reawakened my interest in them. Uh, well, that and a couple of things. Uh, 
I mean, they're just such hard wearing pants. Yeah. And um, we remember that. Well, I tell you, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think the main thing that attracted me back to them after they started to come back on my radar is the rise on them. You know, we're coming from a time when jeans were just low, low, low. And, you know, the women's jeans these days are, are pretty high-waisted, but I think the men's have yet to catch up to that. And, uh, you know, us men's wear guys, at least on the classic side of things, we like to tuck our shirts in. And, uh, the, the you know, Levi's just weren't cutting it for me. But the cowboy cut had a nice high rise, so I thought I'd give those a try. Really hard-wearing, really gritty sort of uh, uh, materials available and um, – Boy, I tell you, there's not a whole lot of Levi's in sight around here in Texas. It's Wranglers all the way. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So <laughs> Levi's are looked down upon in the Lone Star State. <laughs> Among some people, I'm sure. I don't know if, if it's fair to say they look down upon, but the choice is always Wranglers. Really? <laughs> no, no. Believe I mean, it or not. For, re- for real, I had no – to really be honest, I had no idea that the brand still existed until I saw it on your Insta. I was like, what the heck? Where, yeah. Where is he? Pick these up. <laughs> He's like, deep dive on eBay. Uh, I mean, seriously, I haven't thought about that brand, and I love that brand as a kid. I mean, that's when I was calling – in light of my grandfather's influence, that's when I was calling jeans dungarees, which I still yep. do. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Yeah, oh, I love and they're dirt that. cheap too. I'm sure. What twenty dollars? <laughs> yeah, roughly. Yeah, depending. Oh my god, <laughs> recession proof. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. So, use a pandemic jeans, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a mask out of the leftover material when they wear out. <laughs> so, how many pairs do you have? You just got the one, or what'd you do? <laughs> I probably got five or six different pairs. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you're in. You're uh-huh. deep. Oh, you're hooked. Couple in white, couple in tan, maybe one or two in the classic faded blue. Nice. Bonnie, Just the essentials. You got to take a photo of the patch for me, even if you don't put it on Insta, which I'd love you to, because then I would comment. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to ask you, man. Yes, could I? Could I do a Google search? Of course I could. <laughs> but I the would. Re- have- I would rather have it from you. Take a photo of that patch for me, man. The Wranglers patch? Absolutely. I cut them off, dude. What? Okay. <laughs> I cut them off. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm giving you all this love. You hey, now the here's patch. the thing. Here's the thing. That patch sits right on the right rear pocket. Yeah. That's not happening for me, man. I'm sorry. Why? You cut <laughs> off the patch? Cut off the patch. Okay. It's gone. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you an old school New York City story that Search may know because Search always amazes me. He's from the state. He's not from the city, but he knows a lot of New York City stuff before he landed here. Say so, it on me. Yeah, when I was growing up, Lee was a big brand. So Lee jeans. I remember Lee. Yep, particularly in colors. You know, distinct patch, very distinct patch. So this was the hip-hop era of New York City. I'm the first-generation hip-hop. I had a bunch of Lees, and I got a feeling Serge knows this. I like to beat him with stuff, and then he goes, yeah, I know that. I'm like, you weren't even here. Um, that, doesn't so, mean that, that doesn't mean that knowledge doesn't leave just because I'm not here. That's correct. <laughs> that's right. 
There, there he goes. Watch, he's going to know this, Pawnee. He's going to embarrass me. <laughs> so there was a group of individuals. They were a gang. And the big thing was ripping the lead patch off of people's jeans. <laughs> this was really a thing. You had to look over your shoulder, which back in the day in New York, you had to look over your shoulder every day anyway. So, because we were rough, we were a rough city. And they were called Lee Busters. <laughs> Wait a minute. Lee Busters? Lee Busters. This is the not. name of the gang. <laughs> Lee, yeah, the yo, Lee Busters. I mean, and this was serious. Like, it wasn't like, oh, may I rip off your patch? <laughs> it was, <laughs> you're going to get beat down, you're going to get your patch ripped off. So really it was it was really it was really a thing. Lee Buster search evolved into the Decepticons. Yes. This is so yeah. So uh yeah, that was that was real, man. So my point is you cutting off this patch <laughs> it's decades late and maybe you should form a gang. <laughs> I'm I really heard that you cut the patch, man. Really, I don't know. Um, you see, yeah. we're not starting off well. The next one, well, no, it was going work. so well. <laughs> and you're like, man, I cut those off. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, I'm just dying a little bit inside. But it's a start. You know, maybe when you get your next pair, you'll think of me and go, oh, and keep this patch for Reg. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get eight, there. Eight. I don't know. You got six pairs, dog. I think you're done. <laughs> yeah. we'll see it's not it's, it's not expensive to replace these. <laughs> uh now speaking of another brand you've been rocking uh a chore coat from uh epulet oh yeah love that piece i i could tell because you you claim that you wore it to sleep <laughs> and i'm sure your wife was upset <laughs> she seems to be a very understanding woman but you know people have well, to grow no, kinds bonnie i'm just saying so this is a napping jacket it's not it's not a it's not a sleeping in bed jacket oh, okay. i i thought you i thought you said that you were going to sleep in it that's what i thought i was like okay you know he's not i also have a talent the for on in the tub He's going to sleep with a chore jacket on. I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know what this is. I never heard this type of breaking in. The reason why I'm bringing it up, though, unbeknownst to you, so Epulet now is out in L.A., mm-hmm. but they started in New York City. That's right. They started in Brooklyn. Their store was on Smith Street. I am a block away from Smith Street. Uh, I knew hello, those. Hello. Yeah, I knew those dudes. Uh, I think I lost you, buddy, if you can still hear me. I can hear you fine. You can't hear me anymore? Bonnie, can you hear me? Do I still got you? I I, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me or no? Oh, man, we've been doing so well. Can you hear me? Serge, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um... And Pawnee's still on the call. I got you back. Oh, you got me. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Scared us. Just when we were getting to the good stuff. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, when they launched that brand, they launched that brand in my neighborhood. So I love those guys a little bit. And then they closed the Brooklyn shop. And then they opened a shop 
in the Lower East Side in Manhattan. And then, of course, they just wrapped up New York operations, period, and then went to L.A. So when I, when I saw you rock that, and, I, you know, obviously they're online and stuff, but I'm not really an online guy a little bit. And actually, I got to give you props because you introduced me to Lux Swap. I remember oh, yeah. you were very nice, very patient. I was like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're out on the island. Not that far. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's just around the corner for you, isn't it? Uh, car wise, they're like an hour and a half. They're in a that's around the corner seafood. for Texas. Yeah, 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 seafood oyster bay. Yeah, I don't have wheels yet, mm-hmm. but with the pandemic, who knows what may happen? Um, Very true. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess I'm name dropping. I didn't really. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, I just want. I think I like to let you know because I know you're way out there, and I'm here in the city that makes everything happen. So I just, <laughs> I, just <laughs> I wanted to make those links. But the chore coat is dope. I uh, I have a chore jacket. I'm sure people would be shocked, but I what have do you it. think of that as a classic menswear guy? What what role does that fit in your wardrobe? Uh, it, it, for me, it means I'm completely slumming. Uh, for me, <laughs> so, and I don't mean that, you know, to be insulting. It's just I'm suited and booted, as I'm sure you've seen Monday through Friday. Yes, so, sir. Saturday, Sunday, I'm, you know, I'm casual. So particularly now on Saturdays, you might have heard one of the previous episodes during the pandemic. I walk a mile and a half each way to the supermarket. So, right on. Yeah. Well, the train doesn't make sense anymore. So, and it's really only good exercise I get. I'm going to start trying to incorporate the stairway of my building for some other exercise. I'm kind of pumped up for that. That's so smart. That's such a smart way to do things. I mean, you're not really changing much about your routine, maybe, you know, trivially. And then you're getting that exercise in, which is infinitely better than nothing at all. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep in a rhythm. I'm definitely in pandemic time, you know, brain-wise sometimes. What do you mean by that? Well, meaning meaning this. I definitely keep my regular habits. I wake up regular time, go in the shower regular time, eat breakfast regular time. But then the rest of the day, I definitely have things to do. But sometimes the days blur a little bit. <laughs> sometimes I get a little spongy. I forget I forgot someone's birthday and they gave me hell. And once I realized it, I was like, oh, uh, and, it was, it, and it was definitely because of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, because I haven't candidly I have not looked at my calendar app since March I have not so, so you started losing track of the days of the week it's a little bit of a blur I mean for me I don't know if you've heard but I've mentioned on a podcast so I have a two week rotation in suits oh, I've got a good. friend yeah big shout out to my boy Jared Good and Jay Good he teases me because he goes, oh, you know what day it is. And he's right. So my Wednesday suit, every two Wednesdays, you're going to see the same suit. My Monday suit, every two Mondays, you're going to see the same suit. So my point is, based on what I literally have on, I know what day it is. <laughs> wow. That's, it's helpful. Yeah, that's an extreme level of organization, I would say. I don't think I'm I can approach that. I'm organized, bro. So... The two-week rotation started when I was an undergrad. My late grandfather was a fashion hero to me. He's one of the people who really taught me about everything pertaining to style and fashion. 
And I remember when it was happening. And matter of fact, even talking about Wranglers, it makes me think of my grandpa. Not that he wore them, but because he didn't wear dungarees. Dungarees for him, that was a work item. And that's probably an interesting thing. We're talking about the, you know, the epaulet jacket. And like I said, I have a chore, chore jacket, too. It's waxed, waxed cotton, Alex Crane. But the two-week rotation started really from his genesis. If he was alive today, he would just shake his head no. But really, it was in tribute to him because I understood, hey, if I have a two-week rotation in suits, that's going to mitigate wear and tear. So this is my uniform. It's been my uniform since I was, you know, again, an undergrad as a Stern, as a Stern student, NYU. So, you know, as a business guy. So this is my uniform. I remember when I was starting, when I figured that out, that plan, that structure, and started doing it, my grandpa just shook his head at me. Because what I realized, it was in tribute to him, but he didn't understand that because for him, a suit was Sunday best. Because Monday through Friday, he was a mechanical engineer. He wore, he wore a, Dickies, a Dickies suit or separates, or Sears, you know, so that's why jeans were never going to be a fashion item for him. They were a work item. They were dungarees. So, yeah. But now, if I don't go out every day, it doesn't mean I have the suit on every day. <laughs> Hence, pandemic brain, and then it gets it gets blurry. Well, so, there are some advantages to that. I mean, that's one less thing you have to think about. You know, absolutely. actually... It reminds me of a uh, professor of Eastern philosophy that I used to have as an undergraduate. He came in the, in the same clothes, literally exactly the same clothes, every class. It was a black T-shirt and a pair of dark blue jeans. And I just imagined his closet being sort of like a, like a cartoon character. Right. always wearing the same thing every day. And he said, yeah, I just do that because it's something I don't have to think about. I got to think about so much stuff in my day. That's mm. just one less thing. Okay. Rock on with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, it's it's whatever works. Mm-hmm. I I love for me, I love the system. The few people that hear about the system, I think they chuckle. You chuckle. I understand that. It work, you know, but it, it really works for me because to your point, I don't have to think about it. And even though I'm fly every day, I mean the great thing about that is people don't know. I just pull out a shirt, I pull out a tie. It's really not planned outside of the structure of the suit. So well, two weeks is a long time to remember what somebody wore too. So you're, I'm sure you're fine on that. No problems at all. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. It's New York. People <laughs> watch you. <laughs> they do, man. They're like, Hey, Hey, you know, listen, it is a constant. And I keep on laughing because I, I realize I'm referring to previous episodes. It's a, it's a constant competition out here. Oh gosh. I can it's only imagine. It's New York. Of course, competitive. People check you out. <laughs> and no, you all reward, a- you reward uh, eccentricity, too. <laughs> that ups the stakes. That's something I, different. I, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm trying to show and prove. <laughs> so the chore jacket is in my closet. It's never been adorned. What? I know. Well, it's not. It's not really my steez, though I love it. It's burgundy. Like I said, it's wax cotton. Again, shout out to Alex Crane. So I just figure like, hey, one day when I'm slumming, when I'm really chilling, I'll put it on. 
that day hasn't come yet. And then post it. I, yeah, oh, I will totally post it. Yeah, come yeah. on, dude. I gotta I, see this thing now. Oh, now <laughs> about it for half an hour. It's too warm now. <laughs> Fair enough on that. Hey, and you and really, I mean, hey, man, you had that on. You're in Houston. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, what's the temperature there right now? Let's see. I think with the heat index, what is it? We're close to ninety. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you had that jacket on, and you were cool as the other side of the pillow. And I forget sometimes you're in Houston. Most times I don't. But, <laughs> but what? Well, listen, I'm not out there doing yard work. I'm not walking two or three miles. Houston is probably one of the most air-conditioned cities in the country, I really? would imagine. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a guy that I follow uh, who lives in Houston, uh, Rev DMR, I think it is. Um, and he's always in a jacket and tie. And when I first moved there, he was wearing tweed, I think, probably well into 90 degree weather. Oh. And I said to him, dude, how are you doing this? What is this? And he says, well, you know, I've lived here my whole life. I'm really used to the heat. And besides that, I'm not really outside all that much. So fair yeah. enough to that, I guess. But I mean, I, yes. I, I'm not wearing tweed over 70 degrees at all. I'm not wearing, no, I'm not wearing tweed like 60. Like, <laughs> well, you get snow. It's different. It's yes. not the same. Right. No, no, no. Right. I mean, to me, that's the point. Tweed is fall and winter. I have a mm-hmm. Harris tweed that was, that was given to me. It was a family heirloom of my friend who I mentioned earlier, Jay Good. I couldn't have been more touched when he gave it to me. It's beautiful. And you know with Harris tweed specifically, man, when you put that on, it's like a glove. So <laughs> it's hefty. It, yeah, yeah. You're like all of a sudden you're just like, oh you're like, you're you're toasty, man. You're like, I really don't need to wear anything else but a scarf. This thing, <laughs> this, this is it. So my point is it's eighty something today, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I put that on, they just better call the stretcher because <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be laid out. They're like, hey Reg, what's up? Bam. <laughs> so I hear you on that one. There's no it, tweed for me right now at no, all. Forget no, it. it's impossible. <laughs> no, that's illegal. Well, big ups to the ref, but he must just live in AC. He just must have undoubtedly. Sheesh. Ugh. Arnie, I would be remiss if we don't talk about something that you and I have talked about privately, briefly. Brooks Brothers. Let's do it. You, you know, you're really into the Ivy style. You know, I'm going to be really candid with you. For me, it's all a commingling when we talk about Ivy style prep, trad. I mean, yeah, to me, that's, and- that's you know, it's it's like the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. To me, it's <laughs> it's all the same. To me, I'm not saying you can't make distinctions. I think also because I grew up in New York, I went to Riverdale Country Day. I was known, and still, it's probably not really shown on my Insta, but to me, in my mind, I'm still preppy because I mean, I grew up that way. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah, know, and that's been one of the the. <laughs> I hesitate to call it a controversy or a major point of contention because it's, I mean, it seems so silly on the face of it. But uh, among people who are interested in those kind of things, the difference between Ivy style, preppy, trad, you know, people argue about it 
ad nauseum. And the reason they do is because they are so similar and the boundaries are so blurred between those things. But, um, I mean, it's American clothing. It's aspirational clothing to a degree. Yes. So, I mean, why wouldn't it start melding together like that? I mean, you can you can uh, pull hairs on it, I suppose. But who gives a shit? Yeah, I I agree. And I wasn't I wasn't sure how you felt about that. You know, I've read some of your articles. I know you've cited other individuals. So I, I really candidly wasn't sure where you stood on it for me. It's like, ah, and I think I think the reason why I do that is because I literally have lived one of those aspects. Mm -hmm. So and I would be remiss, like you said, my willingness. So here's the willingness. Only in America can we have a podcast in which an African-American and a Mexican are talking about preppy and talking (laughs) about tread and ivy because the things change kind of like when I meant when you went when you mentioned Wrangler, I went into, you know, a deep dive in my head and thought about my grandpa, meaning we understand how clothing changes in significance through its history. Hey, it's workwear. Now it's fashion wear. You know, we talk we talk about this. Those items of clothing we weren't thought of when all this was created. Now we're part of the conversation. You're really heavily in the conversation. It probably is not represented well for me on my Insta, but prep is always going to be an influence for me because, again, that's literally how I grew up, right? I went to RCS from first grade to eighth grade, so even though people think I went there through high school. So, heck, I grew up. I think I, I, I definitely posted this on my Insta. My grandparents, I think it was my grandma. My grandma <laughs> gave me the Snoopy, it's cool to be Joe prep poster. So, <laughs> Classic, that was on my of course. door of my bedroom. So, well, you know, I think I would I would probably push back just a little bit uh, and say that you know if you if you look back into the history of the style and not just ivy or preppy or whatever you want to term it, but just American clothing in general, uh, you go back to mid century and earlier. I, I feel like there was much more of a tendency for people to center around a particular kind of American clothing. Um, I think that a lot of that was expressed through the Ivy style. I mean, in the mid century, that was the everyman style. You saw amazingly stylish. That's true. That's true. Black men, Hispanic men, all wearing these things. Yeah, no, 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 that that's true. Obviously it embodied an institution but like you said, I mean, there were there were epics of time that it didn't matter what you looked like. It was emblematic. And that speaks to the the ways that I think that we at one time viewed American culture and multiculturalism. And, you know, you can take that and sort of uh, and contrast it with the way that we view things today. I, I feel like in the mid-century and earlier, there was a much stronger sense that there was a central American culture that everybody had a stake in, that everybody could buy into. That yes, wasn't perfect literally, literally, by any literally, means. Literally. Literally, right. you could buy into it. <laughs> literally. Right. You, you could buy into it no matter what city you lived in. It was available everywhere. Uh, but there was also something of, you know, we talked about aspirationalism a, a little bit, and there was an aspirationalism that I think went along with that as well, that people truly believed that they might have. 
maybe that's not so much the case today. Maybe the economic and racial or ethnic inequalities that we're seeing in this country have sort of soured people to that image. I don't know. But um, I do think that this was something that more people bought into to a greater degree in the past than they do today. And maybe maybe that's not strictly true because, you know, we've seen the rise of brands like rowing blazers who are appealing to a more urban uh, uh, customer base and so on. So maybe that's sort of coming back to a degree, but it feels different than it once did, I think. No, I, I agree. You know, and again, Rowing Blazers is here in the city. Um, I know them a little bit really nice. I know Jack just a smidge. Um, I know one of his business partners a little bit better. And yeah, literally through their advertising, they're making it inclusive. And you had mentioned something. I think I read something. And even now in kind of the second act of Polo Ralph Lauren, you know, he's he's going, hey, hey, hey. I did this back in the day. Let me show you again. <laughs> yep. No, that's actually, I was thinking about them just recently and, and their advertising in particular. Uh, I was having a conversation with my wife a little bit earlier today about um, the sort of the tendency that, that we're seeing, especially on social media for companies like Ralph Lauren to really put out front the, the things that they're doing uh, in, in terms of social justice, like Black Lives Matter, pride, and, and really pushing that hard. And I was raising the question, uh, okay, why is this happening in the way that it's happening now? Um, and I'm, I have no doubt at all that there is genuine concern for social injustices in this country among uh, many, many people in that company. But at the same time, to me, it feels a little disingenuous. And I think the reason is because, especially among larger companies like Ralph Lauren, they seem to be going about doing these things as a way to um, to use an overused term, I think, to broadcast their virtue, to signal their virtue in, in a way to maybe kind of cover up for some of the uh, less savory things that they do to run their business. You know, we've heard a lot about worker exploitation in Bangladesh and other places overseas. And it's almost as if they're saying, no, 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 no. Don't pay attention to that. Look Mm -hmm. at what we're doing here. Right. Obfuscation. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's in a sense making an excuse for the darker aspects of of (sighs) capitalism in our country. It's so funny you say that. I'm going to slightly pivot so you're probably aware of the Blamo podcast and now it's Blamo Media and they just did a they just have a new spin-off podcast. I don't remember what it's called, but essentially they're talking to the captains of industry. Their first guest is Jamie Dimon. And to be candid, not that Kirkland, you know, even knows who I am, but I couldn't in good conscience click like on that. I also didn't make a comment and I usually could, and you know, I'm very capable. I was just like, ah, even I, even I have to be selective, but I was like, Jamie Timon hasn't really done a lot for people who look like you and I. So I can't, I can't, I can't support him per se. Am I a depositor in the same breath? Yes. So I'm not trying to sound like I'm a hypocrite, but People don't do the research. 
So when they when they see Diamond go, we're really doing a lot. They're just not in the scent. What's going on from a marketing standpoint with all these brands, and I was talking about it with my previous guest, uh, Frank New of Man Your Style. It's so head scratching. I mean, he's gay, right? So like and like you aforementioned, Black Lives Matter or Pride, you know, take your pick. Is it is it just signaling? So and it's really up to us as consumers to really hold these individual companies feet to the fire. The willingness, I think, is a different story. Uh, I never have a problem jumping into the fray. Um, and that hopefully maybe it'll be something else that we that we talk about before you know before it's all over today. But yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, Ralph Lauren has a cancer center that he funded up in Harlem. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't front on that um, at all. But there is definitely to an extent the ability of people to jump on a bandwagon. But it's really up to the consumer. My late grandfather used to always tell me when I was growing up, he was like, Reggie, you're the consumer. You're always in control. And particularly when you live in a place like New York, heck, even in my own neighborhood, we have such a wealth of services. If someone doesn't treat me right, and my friends know, I walk away from that establishment. I go to another establishment. I take my I take my dollar seriously, but it's ultimately a matter of respect and self-respect. Mm-hmm. So when I you know, when I look at these brands, I mean, you can hear it. You can hear it in my in my voice. I'm like, it can't be for an ephemeral representation. But again, if the consumer doesn't hold the individual's feet to the fire, they're just going to do their ad and keep it moving. Well, and I think that your your granddad was ultimately right in saying that you have the control as well because would these companies be doing this if the consumers didn't in some way or another demand it? Probably not. Uh, you know, maybe they would be, you know, doing their charity work and so on. That would be a wonderful thing. But, um, you know, it's – especially in the age of social media, I think that we're so sensitive to artifice – that we're always kind of asking the question why, and um, you know it's 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 kind of like you know you see an amazing photograph today and you just wonder is it photoshopped? So you know maybe a little bit of the same thing. Who's to blame? I don't know. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's the consumers. Maybe we should be the ones who are expected to behave differently. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Let's get back. To my my original query, Brooks Brothers, epicenter of this triumvirate that we talked about, mm-hmm. Ivy, Trad, Prep, they're having a hard time. Yep. And I've always known the brand. Certainly aspirational growing up. Certainly when I was in prep school, seeing friends with the Golden Fleece polo. And being introduced to that, it wasn't always necessarily my steez at all. So, I mean, my polos were uh, Isla cost, but learning more about the brand from prep school on up and, you know, gotten older. It's it's not my go to. It's really your go to. 
you have stronger opinions and probably deeper, more intelligent opinions about this than I. So I'll give you the floor. What, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Break it down. Well, I, I, the first thing that I would say is that um, I don't think anybody who even has a remote interest in men's clothing is happy to see what's going on with Brooks Brothers. I know it's, it's not everybody's thing. But it is an American institution. It's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their bankruptcy filing is a major deal. It doesn't mean that they're going to go away. Right, right. But um, it's, in a certain sense, it's really not surprising. Um, you know, maybe the pandemic was the last straw, so to speak. But just from a consumer standpoint, to see Brooks Brothers in the last decade, maybe more, I guess, they just had an enormous number of SKUs. And, you know, you would see sport coats in the same fabric in three or four different fits and styling configurations. It must have been a massive undertaking to to keep that stocked. Um, and, you know, they had an enormous real estate footprint as well. They had stores everywhere. And uh, those stores were closing down slowly, more or less, uh, before the pandemic. But, um, you know, who's <laughs> who's going to go out to a to a retail location right now and who's going to, um, you know, spend two thousand dollars on a uh, on a factory made suit, especially when there are so many other alternatives out there that are at the same price or cheaper where you can get pretty much exactly what you want made to measure. Um, I don't know the the their ability to pivot to new consumer realities seem to be limited. I don't know if that's because of the size and the inertia of the company. I'm really not that close to Brooks Brothers as a, um, as a business entity. But um, it's, uh, it's sad to see. But um, they've gone through massive changes like this before, and I have no doubt that if there's any value at all, whether it be aspirational or otherwise, in the Brooks Brothers' name, that uh, they'll be around for a good long while. Yeah, it's 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 definitely strange. These are, you know, well, not these. This is this is a old lion brand. So, like I said, it was never it was never my steez, not really. I mean, matter of fact. Since we connected on Insta, you know, however many years ago, anytime I walk past that spot, I think about Caustic Man. <laughs> I should, as a matter of fact, I took some photos once and I was going to post it and tag you, and I just never did. Um, I find sometimes when I tag people, they feel like, oh, this is bait. This is bait. I'm like, <laughs> I'm tagging you because I'm like, this makes sense. Like, you know, this is your thing. Or, you know, Do it anytime. <laughs> so you know but anytime i walk by there you know like i said i've thought of you because it's it's a party that brand is a part of your wardrobe like for mm-hmm. real right a major party it's like ah yeah i got a few things it's no question <laughs> i mean matter of fact i'm joking right now i pressed out a uh a uh i've got a, a double-breasted navy blazer i'm thinking of rocking today so nice yeah, with the with the with the BB brass buttons. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something else that you just reminded me of. As a matter of fact, something that's really incomprehensible to me uh, in terms of what Brooks Brothers has done in the last several years. You know, the the resurgence of Ivy and preppy clothes 
in the last, I don't know, maybe five or 10 years, probably five, I would say, you know, all about that. You've seen it. We talked about rowing blazers. Yeah. Brooks brothers. I, I didn't see them try to take advantage of that hardly at all. I mean, they had a few archival ties that they pulled out and they must have a huge archive of things that they could have done and nothing. Almost total silence. Maybe a few, you know, patchwork seersucker shirts here or there that weren't that interesting, but almost nothing. So you hit on something that I hadn't thought of until we just started conversing about it. Is it literally a thing of they needed the infusion of young blood? Because when you think of rowing blazers, I think what you're saying, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Rowing blazers is doing what Brooks should have been doing. Am I correct? I, I don't know that Brooks Brothers could have done what they what they did. I mean, maybe that's part of why they had such a huge variety of SKUs on offer. Uh, they tried to be everything to everyone, maybe. I don't know. But, um, you know, we talked about inertia for companies that size. That may have had something to do with it. I mean, when you're starting out something like rowing blazers, it takes so much guts to do something like that. You have yeah. to have such a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve. I'm not sure Brooks Brothers could have done it. They could have sort of maybe did it the way Ralph Lauren did it. You know, they kind of went back to some of those old school designs with the um, Prince of Wales check that they started incorporating a little bit more, I think, and uh, some of the more preppy oriented staples that they were offering. But on the other hand, I do think Ralph Lauren has always been a little bit more wacky than Brooks Brothers. So maybe they were better suited to do that anyway. But Brooks Brothers, yeah, just I, I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah, it seems as though I, I, th- I think it's really the stereotypical. They're so big. They don't they can't have because of scale. They can't be nimble like a rowing blazers. Obviously, in terms of size, I mean, them and Ralph Lauren, that's pretty, you know, that's a one that's a one to one ratio. Mm-hmm. But I think it's obviously and obviously, and listen, it's not just one thing, clearly. Um, again, the infusion of younger people, you know, with younger ideas, you know, maybe that could have been one thing, not the only thing that would have helped. Because like you said, it's funny. I rapped with a guy, I can't remember his name right now, so I can't name drop, but there's a cat who works at Allen Fluster, and I met him at uh, at the anthology. And, and it's weird when you can talk about somebody else's business, you can't help your own, right? So I have a growing <laughs> fashion consultancy, and I'm like, ah, this is a great product, and no one knows about it. Ah. <laughs> you know, so the consultancy, the podcast is all the same to me. Ah. So I'm talking with this guy, and again, Alan Flusser, I've known that name. You know, again, I feel bad, but when you live here, and if you're semi-aware, a lot of these places come from here, come from New York. So I'm like, man, you guys should be doing this and this and this. He was like, you're right, you're right, you're right, but Alan won't do it. I'm like, ah! Like, you know, he's he's an old head. He's one of the, he's one of the lines, and it's mm-hmm. like... It's not about, oh, you must target millennials. Oh, you must target Gen Z. But it's about trying to be relevant. I can't remember the phrase. There's a Forbes article about Brooks Brothers that came out this week. I don't know if you saw it. but Did not. 
you may want to check it out because essentially they're saying you've got this core, you know, consistency. How do you use that? You know, how do you use that to your advantage? Because like you said, from an archival standpoint, oh, my God, could you imagine? So, listen, I have no clue. I was much easier trying to figure out Alan Fluff's problems. But <laughs> uh, and like you said, it's not it. You know, Chapter 11 always is a symbol of a death knell. So and like I shared with you in a, in a DM, when they when they closed up the the shirt operations down south, you know, in NC, I was like, oh, so very sad. <sighs> Sad to see that go for sure, and I know a lot of people are because uh, I, I'm I'm not you know pinpoint on on the uh, operations down there, but my impression was that uh, you know they were doing a lot of really quality garments for uh, some other folks as well. Oh, and so sad to sad to see that go uh, one way or the other. But something that also also I've been kind of thinking about, and this is something that I think a lot of. Uh, I think some of the more hard-headed Ivy aficionados have been chuckling about for a while. Uh, Del Vecchio, Brooks Brothers was owned by I wanted Italian. to mention Del Vecchio all this time. I just, just haven't, <laughs> haven't had a chance because I know I felt like he tried to put an Italian spin on things. But please, I interrupt. Continue. Well, it's – and it's not necessarily wrong for Brooks Brothers to to take inspiration from Italian tailoring. Obviously, it's very popular. It's it's taken the world by storm. It seems to be the default mode for people around the world who want to build a classic menswear wardrobe. But on the other hand, there's still a question of where Brooks Brothers' place is if it's trying to, to emphasize an Italian or at least an Italian-inspired style in the midst of an Ivy and Preppy resurgence in the United States. Does somebody like Del Vecchio really understand what Americans want in this particular moment? And I understand that when I ask that question, I'm probably talking about a relatively small group of people who buy clothes, who pay attention to those things. Okay, what is the Italian shoulder? What's, you know, what, what are the style uh, hallmarks of the Italian style versus the Ivy style? Probably a lot of people don't think about that. But there is a question as to whether or not somebody like that is well positioned to understand what the American consumer wants. Now he's enormously successful and you know, he's, he's got the kind of money to buy a company like Brooks brothers. So I can't really criticize him too far, but uh, it does make me wonder. I mean, heck he, he enlisted Tom Brown. Mm -hmm. That's right. Black police. Right. So, so it's not, it's not that he doesn't get an A for effort. I guess maybe he didn't get an A for execution. <laughs> Undoubtedly so. Undoubtedly <laughs> so in many ways. <laughs> Man, we could talk about so many things. <laughs> it sounds like maybe one day, if you're willing to dare, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to come back on the show. Sure. Been a great time. But yeah, no, absolutely, man. I really, like I said, I really chuckled because I was like, oh, this guy would not enter my podcast. Why not? No, I, I was like, ah, no. Nah. And again, now we, we don't have time to talk about it. 
Well, like you, you had uh, you had put something on Insta once, and I was like, "Is he talking about me?" Because he was like, "Hey, don't lose sight of things. I'm talking about QI." And then <laughs> I was like, "Hey, hey, mofo, you talking about me? Hey, man, I got my eyes on everything." <laughs> Last. We don't have time to talk about that or other things that we could have. So many deep dives. But, Bonnie, I really, really appreciate the time. We totally should do this again. Absolutely. I really want you and yours to to be safe down there in Houston. Well, I th- thanks so much. I appreciate that. Look, it's been a great time. And, uh, look, I don't know how many times this virus is going to come sweeping in here and there. So you all be careful up there, too. Thank you, man. Stay out of trouble. All right, buddy. Always be fly. 